What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Daily Bible Reading Snapshot. Today we're looking at Genesis 6, 7, and 8 here in the Old Testament. And there is rain in the forecast because there's a massive flood that takes place here where God has to judge the world because of their sin, which we see the heart of God right here displayed in Genesis 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man on the earth was great, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Right? I mean, that's a very large statement. Think about that. It was all sin all the time. It just seemed like everybody was doing what was wrong and the intentions of people's hearts were bad. And now remember at this time, as we saw yesterday, people are living a very long time. And when you got a bad person that lives a long time, that means a lot of sin, correct? So it says that God was grieved in his heart. He's, he's sad about this. God, God hates the fact that there's sin like this in the world. So God says, yeah, I'm going to blot out um, all the created things off the earth. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So Noah was doing what was right in his family. Actually, we didn't even know if his family was doing what was right. It really just says that Noah was doing what was right. And it says he was blameless and he walked with God, which that idea of walking with God is an idea we saw earlier yesterday with Enoch. It says he walked with God. Right, So this idea of walking with God is important. It means living in right relationship with God and, and thinking about God and calling upon God. Prayer, all those things were probably included in this. The point was Noah was doing what was righteous when the world was not. And it says that the earth was full of this corrupt, um, this corrupt human nature. And also it says that the earth was filled with violence. And that seems to be, which it's an odd thing because you know, I don't really think about, and you probably don't think about violence as like the worst sin ever. But it says here that the thing that God did not like about the world was it was full of violence. Probably violence that mirrored Cain and Abel, right? I mean, think about that was violence. It was murder. So there's all this violence going on and God hates it. So he says, I'm going to wipe it out. And an interesting little verse here at the end of Genesis 6. It says, Noah did this and he did all that God commanded him. Which is a, I think there's some double meaning to that, right? He did all that God commanded him in building this ark, but also... His life was blameless. It's just a reflection of how he lived. He lived in communion with God, and he did what God wanted him to do. Interestingly enough, Noah, when the flood happened, was 600 years old. And there's a weird little phrase here that it says, uh, All the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were opened, and rain fell on the earth for about 40 days and 40 nights. So now you might be thinking, how on earth could the world, the whole world, be flooded in just 40 days and 40 nights? Well, that's a great question. I don't think it happens with normal rain. The point is, there's this weird fountain of the great deep that bursts forth. So it seems like the waters below and the waters above dump for the first time, right? So it even seems like our ecosystem looks different than it did before Noah, because obviously there's no, there no rain. But how did the crop survive? Well, it seemed like it said there was a mist. There was a dew that watered the earth. So it wasn't rain like we know rain. Um, it was it was different. But the point is, tons of water is involved here. And if you think, well, maybe it was just a small flood. Maybe it just flooded like where Noah lived. No. It says they the waters prevailed so mightily on the whole earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. The idea is even the tallest mountains are covered by a lot. So the point is, yes, this was a universal flood. The whole world was flooded. And here in Genesis chapter 8, it says that when the flood waters were residing, Noah kept sending out um, animals, and, and not animals, but birds, to, to see if there's any green tree. And suddenly um, he found some. 
So then they knew that the time was coming short. It was coming near when they were going to get off the, the boat. So it says they were on the boat for 150 days. The water prevailed above the earth for 150 days. So I think that it, uh, includes and is above 40 days, right? It only rained for 40 days. So the downpour, and then it took a long time to settle. So it took actually longer for the water to settle than it took for the, the flood to actually happen. Um, but obviously at this point, all the people that God was intending to judge were being judged. He only saved eight people, which is why afterwards, what we're going to see um, at the very end here, he starts to make a, God makes a promise to Noah. Um, all the descendants of the earth come from Noah. So every nation that exists right now, every person that exists right now, you and me, we are related, not just through Adam and Eve, but also through Noah. So we're all related right now to this guy named Noah. So that leads us to our New Testament. We're looking at Matthew chapter 3, which interestingly enough, we're talking about water in the Old Testament. We're also talking about water in the New Testament because we got this guy named John the Baptist, which we're going to see more about his origin story, so to speak, in the book of Luke. But the point is, John the Baptist is a cousin of Jesus, and he has been selected by God to do an important role. The role that is alluded to in the book of Malachi, where he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And even here, there's a quotation of Isaiah chapter 40, where a voice is crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. That's John the Baptist. So he's fulfilling that role, and he's getting people ready to follow the Messiah. He's preaching about repentance. He's telling them, hey, turn from your sin. Hey, we're living in sin. you got to turn from your sin. It's kind of like what the prophets did in the Old Testament. But now what John the Baptist is going to do in this chapter is he's going to turn their attention and say, everybody, focus on Jesus now. He's the Messiah. It says he's coming out to be baptized in verse 13. It says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, but why do you come to me, right? He's recognizing that Jesus is better than him, but Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then it said, John said, he consented. Okay, but this phrase, fulfilling all righteousness, is very important because when Jesus comes to earth, why does he have to be baptized, right? He doesn't get baptized for the same reason that you and I do. We get baptized as an identification with Jesus, Jesus is Jesus. So if he doesn't need to be identified with Jesus, but what is he going to do? Well, he says he does it to fulfill our righteousness, which is going to be a big theme that's unpacked later on in the book of Matthew. What does it mean to be righteous? The point is only Jesus is righteous. Only he lives a perfectly righteous life. But also we see that when he's baptized, God identifies him. God says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And other times that this is recounted, there's another line that comes up. And we're going to see in Matthew chapter 17, another time that God speaks to people and says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And in Matthew 17, it says, so listen to him. And that should be our response. As we see Jesus and we see John the Baptist here in our daily Bible reading, what are we supposed to do? Well, God said that Jesus is his son, which is why some people, they say, well, I believe in God, but I don't really believe in Jesus. Well, then John chapter 5 and chapter 8 say that we are liars, John chapter 5 in particular, if we don't believe the testimony that God the Father has given regarding his son. If we don't believe what God has said right here, that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Christ of the Old Testament, if we don't believe that, we are calling God a liar, and we dare not do that. So Jesus is the Christ. He's the one who came for us. And also this baptism 
fittingly does so to show us that he is perfectly righteous. And we need a perfectly righteous substitute because it's not enough for someone just to pay for our sins. That just takes away our punishment. That doesn't make us righteous. But Jesus has to come and fulfill all righteousness so that he can transfer that righteousness over to us. Just like the people in the book of Genesis who were sinful all the time. We're sinful all the time. We need a savior. We see a picture of judgment and salvation, but a picture of salvation, especially in the book of Genesis with that ark. And that's what Jesus does for us. He saves us through fulfilling all righteousness for us. So thanks for reading. See you back tomorrow from the Daily Bible Reading Snapshot.